0: The last song that we just sang in the worship is a perfect introduction to to the sermon today. I make room in my life for that what you want to do in my life, Lord. And today we are carrying on. We're in Romans chapter 12. And unlike in previous weeks where we really looked at a lot of text, today we're only looking at the first two verses of Romans 12, which say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in the previous chapters that we've looked at, 1 to 11, God has, uh, Paul spoke very much about the mercy of God over us, his people. And he is, Paul has been teaching us what it means that we've been saved by grace. And although all have sh- fallen short of the glory of God, God reconciled man to himself through his son Jesus Christ who gave his life on the cross for the sin of the world. This is how God reconciled us to him through his grace. And now the question is how do we experience God's mercy? And his loving kindness as individuals all of the guilt and all of the punishment that was due to us because of our sin we have been exempt from we have been accepted as children of God we live under grace and not under the law we have received the holy spirit who lives in us and god promises to help us and we can be sure that there is nothing at all in this world that can separate us from the love of god nothing at all And God promised us that when we live in Him, He will cause every single thing to work together for our good. And we can trust in God because He is faithful. God has promised us His faithfulness even when we are unfaithful, He is faithful. And we can, in in full trust and assurance, we can look to his glory. And this great grace and loving kindness of God requires an answer from us, a response from us. So how do we respond to the loving kindness of God? And how does it become consequential in our life? In the two verses we've read that i count as some of the most important verses of the bible god calls us to make a decision about how we will live and the only appropriate answer to this question is that we completely avail ourselves, make our life available to God, and live as a living and holy sacrifice, which is pleasing to God. And it's our human nature to give back when we've received something, like we know when we receive a gift, a present, we have a desire to give back. This is how we tend to think as people, when you have done something for me, and it's from a good, hard posture that I want to give back because I've received. But even this good sentiment is not really at the heart of what God wants or wishes for us. Because the point is God wants you and not your works, but you. You can do all sorts of things for God without ever giving him yourself what exactly what you are. In Hebrews chapter 10, we get a, a deeper explanation of what this is and how Jesus is an example to us in this. Hebrews 10, verses 5 to 7. Therefore he, that is Jesus, came into the world. <clears throat> when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But my body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. And here Jesus is citing the words from Psalm 51 verses 16 and 17 where it says for you do not desire sacrifice or else i would give it you do not delight in burnt offering the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart these O god you will not despise for god it's not about works He takes pleasure in a broken spirit and a battered heart. We don't have to do anything in and of ourselves, but we need to give our hearts to him and make ourselves available so that he can do his work through us. And he can only do this when he is allowed to reign In our hearts he can only do this when we submit ourselves to his will and this point this point of complete surrender this I know even from my own life experience we only reach this point of total surrender when we have broken down when we give up ourselves and say with our whole heart, Lord, have your way with me. And this is the way in which we can give our life to God, to say, Lord, here am I. And often we forget the fact that actually our life already completely belongs to him, that by believing we've already completely given our lives to him, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We love belonging to God. We love belonging to God when we speak about our salvation, when we get to believe that there is no power that can pull us out of His hands. And we love belonging to Him in the context that we are inheritors of His glory, that we inherit eternal life and we will inherit eternal glory because we are his children and because we are his property but in relation to our daily life and the decision the decisions that we have to make we want to handle ourselves we want to work in our own wisdom and in what we think is right or is good for us even when it's against the word of god and so actually we claim property rights to ourself where this is not appropriate there are areas in our lives where we allow god in and then there are areas where we want him to work in our way And we only allow him to move if it agrees with our opinion and our feeling. But the broken spirit and the broken and contrite heart of a disciple does not surrender out of of a feeling of pressure. But it does so it surrenders out of love and out of a desire to do God's will and out of a deep realization that God's will is the best for my life. God doesn't force us to anything to do anything, but he challenges and encourages us toward his will, because it is the best thing for us. And Jesus is our greatest example for a surrendered life, a life that was willing to do the will of the Father, no matter what. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, it says, but he Christ made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. A man. This we need to remember. Christ became a man, a person like any other. We need to remember this yes he was completely god but while on earth he was also completely human and through being completely human he can truly be an example for us what jesus did while he lived on earth he did only in utter dependence on god his father And this is why jesus can become a live an example of a living sacrifice for how we should live in first peter chapter 4 verses 1 to 2 it says therefore since christ suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves also with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men but for the will of God wow what a great declaration a living sacrifice and following the example of Jesus what's your reaction to that I won't manage I won't manage that. And that is the correct response. You will not manage this. But God in you can make it come to pass. The Holy Spirit who is living in you can work everything in you and through you but you have to give the Holy Spirit the mandate, the freedom to reign in your heart, to, in, to decide that He is your strength. He is your surrender. The Holy Spirit is the one who can make it come to pass in our life, but we have to decide to give Him the freedom, and it's a decision that we have to keep making time and time again. And the second point, which is named here as the consequential answer to God's mercy, is the renewing of our mind. And I read verse 2 of Romans 12 again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God god who's alive in us through the holy spirit wants to transform us from the inside out he wants to change us he wants to new do something new he wants to reshape us and renew us from the bottom up and in order In order to do that, he uses his word. And when we internalize his word, when we read his word, as you are now listening to his word, this this will reshape our mind and our thinking more and more. Because if something good comes in, good will also flow out. But if bad things uh, seep in, also bad things will flow out. But the Bible leads us to this truth. It reveals God's will for us, shows us what is good and right. And this is often contrary to the standards of this world. We have to separate ourselves from the trend of the world and make room for the Holy Spirit, we must give Jesus room in our lives. And in order to do that, we need to give up something, separate ourselves from some things. So in other words, we have to separate ourselves from the mainstream things of this world, which is godless, but surrender ourselves to the transformation of that happens through the Word of God and His Holy Spirit. And once we do that, often this will happen automatically. When the Holy Spirit is in us and in our lives, some things just happen automatically. Some things get revealed to us because we are open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. But we need to be open. To the move of God in our life in Ephesians chapter 4 the verses 21 to 24 it says if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt According to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and That you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness And it says You will be renewed This shows that this is something that is done for us and in us. This is not something that we can do or have to do. Right. And the signs of the new man are righteousness and holiness. That means God renews our thinking, and then it is our responsibility. to bring this renewed thinking into our practical day-to-day life. We have to transport this. It doesn't bring us anything if it just stays in our mind. But what is in our mind needs to then permeate our day-to-day life. And so we have to get rid of the things that do not please God. We have to give those up. But once we have recognized what are the good things he wants and what is his will, this is what we have to put on. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 to 18, it says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So here Paul takes or makes a very practical uh, example that drinking yourself into a state of drunkenness is something that is not pleasing to God because it will lead to us acting in the ways that are not pleasing to God. Dissipation means an overindulgence in sensual pleasures. This is what we no longer want. We want more of God. We want more of what is pleasing to God. We want more of His strength. And I think the mistake that often happens is that we receive pressure from the outside. Pressure that speaks about our behavior changing. Parents to their children, pastors to their congregation, youth leaders to the youth members, All of these bodies hear this. This is wrong. This you're not allowed to do. This you shouldn't do. You should not get drunk. You should not live an impure life. You cannot bring this. This is an absolute no-go. And this is how pressure comes about. And as I thought about this, I was reminded of a verse in Isaiah 29. Verse 13 Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Their fear is only taught by the commandment of men. they feared god because they had to because someone dictated it from the top down not because of their own conviction not because of their heart posture not because of how they loved god and what the holy spirit wants to do in our life is that he wants to renew us from the inside out He leads us in the truth of God so that we can recognize what is good and right. And what is according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit wants to convict our hearts, convince our hearts. And when that happens, then in fact we want to let go of the old and do new things. We have a desire to do it because the Holy Spirit revealed it to us. Because we are convinced in and of ourselves, in our hearts. And this is a conviction that remains, that is steadfast and has power. But think about what I've said. This can only happen where the Holy Spirit is given room in a person's heart to move, where He has the freedom to renew us. And I want to speak to you, parents. I want to encourage you and say, make Jesus big in the lives of your children, not the law. Make Jesus big glorify Jesus for the kids and not the law because God wants to renew us from the inside out. And so the only appropriate answer to God's great mercy over you is this that you make yourself completely available to God with your whole life and present yourself a living and holy sacrifice which is pleasing to him amen lord we praise you for your mercy and lord we know that we are undeserving of your grace and lord you didn't just gift us anything but you Sacrificed your own son for us so that we can experience your mercy, so that we can be reconciled to you, Lord. We praise you that you gave everything you have to save us and to in order to live with us, and Lord, we often ask ourselves. What should we do? What do you want from us? And I think in these two verses, there's a very clear answer to that which you desire. Lord, we cannot give back to you by our works what you have given to us. This is impossible. And it's not what you desire. But what you desire is that you may reign in our lives that you may do your work through us, that you may build your kingdom through us, that you may live your life through us. I ask, Lord God, that you lead us to that place, that you help us to let go of our self-determined life. Lord, we are so stuck in this, and we think our way is what's best for us. But Lord, you gave us your son, and you said, if you've given your son, what else should you withhold from us? Lord, you are the life, and you are the joy. And you are the only one that can fill our hearts so that we can be content, so that we may be at rest. And I pray, Lord, that we are willing to be broken by you and give ourselves up and that we can really say, you have your way in me, Lord God, I trust you. I trust that you have good intentions and that you will lead everything for good, even if it doesn't look like that sometimes, but you are the sovereign God. And I want to give you the only appropriate and adequate response to your mercy. I want to say to you today, I love you, Lord. Have your way in me. Help us to trust. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. Amen.